I think sometimes you can start at the beginning and work your way to the close of an opportunity and it doesn't always result in the best data or the best strategy. So for us, we've been looking at the difference between win rate and close rate and trying to use those metrics in the right facet to get the insights needed. And then backing out into, we're trying to get better about forecasting in Salesforce. This is RevOps Demystified, the number one most downloaded podcast in revenue operations. We invite the brightest minds in RevOps onto the show to deconstruct the what, why, and how behind rep productivity, forecasting, metrics, and all things revenue. This podcast is brought to you by Ebster, a revenue intelligence platform used to identify risk in the pipeline and score customer engagement. Hello and welcome to another very special episode of the Sales Ops Demystify podcast. Today we're joined by Hannah Duncan, the Director of Operations at Postscript. Hannah, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Tom. So first off, and the topic that I'd actually really love to dive into is your graduate, well, I don't want to say graduation, but your uh, potential progression from RevOps into like general operations. We'll talk about that in a second. But before, I'd like to understand how you first got into the sales slash RevOps world. Yeah, of course. Um, I got into a business development role. Um, it was at a tech startup and I it was my first exposure to Salesforce. And I was only in a BDR role for about three months. I was much better at the reporting and uh, strategic side of trying to hit my number. Um, so I started very early creating my own dashboards. I was so much more interested in the Salesforce side. Um, so it quickly progressed, obviously, into for a short period of time, a hybrid role where I was doing part business development and part sales operations. Then I was doing full-time sales operations. And that quickly transitioned into revenue operations as our department was making that transition at the time. And I've been in revenue operations ever since. And just recently... Uh, making more of the transition to more of a general operations focus. So that was the ship, Bob, right? Yes, that was at ship, Bob. Cool. And so you were doing this like strategic stuff for yourself. And then I assume like your manager or like the head of sales was like, Hannah's crushing this. We should get Hannah to do this for more of our reps or, or yeah. PDRs. I was hitting, I was exceeding all of my ramp quotas. I was, but I wasn't doing it the traditional way. Like I, I wasn't cold calling a lot. I was sending very few emails um, I was just being efficient about which companies I was reaching out to because mm. I was pulling these reports and kind of figured out how to be strategic. Um, and of course, you want to duplicate that across a larger BDR team. Um, so, you know, what was working for me, some of the reports and dashboards ended up being used across the full BDR team. Um, and that was the, my when I moved into sales operations, my main focus starting out was um, kind of like sales development operations because I had that background. And then it slowly, as I grew in the role and started to get um, more experience, started to branch out to how can I help the account executive team and um, implementation and customer success. It just slowly 
uh, bled out into being across the go-to-market team. Got it. So I'm going to put you on the spot here. Uh, yeah. You mentioned about how you, uh, you were being strategic in that first role as a BDR. Can you share something from PostScript where you've been strategic that's led to like a better outcome for the AEs or the SDRs of that business? Yeah, I think, I think what I try to do is think about, I've never been in an AE role, but I try to think about if I was an AE, how would I manage my pipeline? And so I recently have built out um, some more dashboards that surface low-hanging fruit. And for us, that is, we have two different business models. We have a usage business model. So our IEs actually work with customers trying to ramp them up to a certain um, spend milestone. And then we also have a traditional uh, sales pipeline where we're trying to get them on contracts. And so surfacing things like um, customers who have high utilization in the platform and different metrics they might not be um, as tuned in on, but surfacing those to the team. And that's been uh, very helpful already to the account executives. Got it. And so this is on the kind of the the usage metric. You've you've been sh- showing data to the AEs that enables enables them to like be more effective with their time and therefore get better results. Yes, exactly. Got it. It's, we have so much data available. It's just about knowing what the right metric is that's going to to help them. For sure. And so to zoom in today at PostScript, roughly how many people are in the in the revenue generating function? So sales reps. Uh, CS reps, and then roughly how many people are there in the ops team? Yeah, um, our business development team is around 25 with reps and managers, account executives. Um, I believe we have like 15 AEs and then sales leadership. And the CS org is pretty large. We have um, about 40 in that entire department, but that's across uh, customer success, onboarding, um, and support. Got it. And so now your role as director of operations, you're, you the the revenue generating function rolls up to you, right? So it, do we have like a RevOps lead that's reporting to you? Not not yet. The transition just happened two weeks ago. Um, so the main updates have been um, legal operations is now a new function that's kind of underneath the operations umbrella and also recruiting operations. Um, so I'm leading our recruiting operations team too. Got it. So you're serving these two other functions, legal and HR, or part of HR with recruiting. Yeah. Awesome. And this is like slightly outside the remit of the show, but I would be really interested to understand like what something that you've learned from sales or RevOps that you've applied to those two new fields that has like had an impact. I think it all comes back to just like stakeholder alignment and just understanding process. I think Salesforce took me really far in my career because I could, you know, do the uh, put together a flow and create the dashboards and reporting. But I think what transitions more broadly just to general like business operations is you understand who you need to get aligned because it's usually a cross-functional initiative and what's the process you're going to put in place. Um, and so I think that's been what I uh, am trying to focus on with bridging the gap between yeah, HR, or, like our recruiting function and the rest of the go-to-market team. Um, and on the legal side, that's all just brand new. We're really uh, just for the first time having that function. Awesome. So coming back to the FDR slash BDRs, the the your roots. Um, yeah. What have you at PostScript again? Have you implemented anything for these people that has had a big impact on how much they, how many meetings they've been able to book? 
I think a lot of it has just been building so far. Um, we started the year with two BDRs and now we're at 25. So, so many of them are very new in their, in their ramp. Um, we've just been making sure that they have the tools in place to be successful. So they have their sales engagement platform, the contact enriching platform. Um, our team's been very helpful in like setting up territories and segmenting their books. So they understand which accounts to prioritize. Um, so a lot of it's been the foundation uh, and then hope, hoping that now that we have more of a foundation built up and we have more reps on board, we'll be focusing more on optimizing. What have you learned uh, through onboarding? Because clearly going from 2 to 25 must have been somewhat uh, of a roller coaster. Uh, I think I've learned at scale, you can't, I think you can't onboard everyone yourself. So at first I was, you know, a new BDR started, I would tap on a call with them, show them Salesforce. We were very small. And as our enablement function has also grown, that's been helpful, but just documenting more evergreen content that can be used uh, in a one-to-many way. So we use Guru quite a bit. So we, anytime there's like a question that pops up, if it's popped up a couple of times, we try to document that in a Guru card. Um, we also now have a full LMS. So we built out an operations enablement course to help each team understand the rules of engagement, how to use Salesforce. So that's been very helpful because there was kind of this gap between having to do everything in person and then having a ton of questions because the documentation wasn't there. And we're finally to the point where we have um, what I feel like is pretty strong documentation on the onboarding process. Awesome. Well, Alex, we're going to bring you in now to dig a little bit deeper. Thanks very much, Tom. And thank you, Hannah, for um, all the insights so far and, and helping us follow along with uh, a really fascinating journey that um, you've know, just been on in your career, but obviously the last year as well. Um, some pretty impressive scale that I'm sure people would like to to do. Is that 12.5x on the, <laughs> the biz dev side at least? I don't know if that yeah. happens everywhere, but but certainly um, explosive growth. Um, there were a few things I that really st- stood out to me, but let's start, let's work backwards. The easier it's fresher in the, in the mind. So you talked about you know, creating more evergreen content. And I just thought that was such a you know, helpful way of thinking about things and putting it, you know, the number of times we were doing the same sort of thing again and again. And that's the kind of the, should be the clear indicator, right? Create something that, that does this once and for all, or and move on. How how do you have you approached kind of those those evergreen resources and how you go about creating them? Mm-hmm. I think it starts with thinking about what areas in your process are most likely not going to change. So focusing on giving a really good overview into them, and then if there are areas like with how quickly our company has grown, things change a lot. Having that be in a guru card or a resource that is verified frequently. So we verify content around every three months, which still sometimes becomes stale that way. But I think focusing on being as detailed, but as vague as you can, um, if that makes sense. So detailed in the overall process, vague on things that may change or setting that up to be uh, in a content that would be able to be verified. Great. Thank you very much. Um, Really helpful. And you used a phrase when before I, I cut out, which was really um, interesting um, about knowing when to be specific and knowing when to be vague. Um, and I just I really love that as a, as, a, as a concept. Do you want to just reiterate on that a bit further? Yeah, of course. Um, I think there are times where when you're uh, diving into a process and need to go very in detail, uh, such as how to create an opportunity in Salesforce, you need to walk through every step by step. I think that's a time where you need to be very specific. I think um, I think two ways when you're trying to roll out a new process to um, a, a stakeholder or a larger team, I think it's important not to 
over dive into the technical details. So when you're trying to give an overview of process as a whole, uh, being very high level is helpful and not getting too into the weeds and then knowing when you need to be more technical and be more specific. Great. I thank you. I just, I thought it was, it was good as well. Just the idea about not being too detailed sometimes so that it, it will go stale quicker. So if I, finding something yes. that fits as well as you're right, mapping it to, to when, you know, how, how specific it needs to be to understand it. Um, the other key thing I thought was really a really interesting point that you, you mentioned um, before, which is something I'm sure most most of our listeners will, um, you know, be struggling with, is, is knowing knowing the right metric. You know, as you said, there's so much data now. Um, it's not about understanding your data; it's about knowing which bits to access and how. So, do you want to talk a bit more about how you you would figure out where the, what the right metric is for something and how you build your reports or you sort of you strategize on your data collection to be able to make sure you can report in the way you want to? Yeah, of course. Um, I think it ultimately starts with some sort of guiding light of understanding what is that key outcome we're looking for. So in a sales cycle, that's a close one opportunity, right? And then I, I always back into what are the indicators we can identify that are going to help us get there. I think sometimes you can start at the beginning and work your way to the close one opportunity, and it doesn't always uh, result in the best data, the best strategy. Um, so for us, we've been looking at the difference between win rate and close rate and trying to use those metrics in the right facet to get the insights needed. And then backing out into, um, we're trying to get better about forecasting in Salesforce. So inputting those data points correctly, we're still very much so in the building the foundation phase, but trying to build it correct. So we're able to get these insights, um, as we scale. Great. Thank you. And any, um, any kind of times that you found something particularly helpful, like a specific example, maybe where you've, you've really found a, a certain metric has helped a particular problem really well? I'm thinking. That's fine. Don't um, worry. <laughs> yeah. I think just to kind of go back to close rates and win rates, we've been, we've been structuring all of our opportunities to understand the channel and department they came from. And that's been super helpful as we do biweekly pipeline, pipeline reviews to understand which channels are performing well, um, so inbound versus outbound and what departments are leading to the highest win rates and close rates. So I think more so it's usually these are simple metrics, but it's more so slicing and dicing them the right way in order to actually get real insight. Um, if it's too vague, if, it's, if your win rate across the board is X, it's not really going to help um, pinpoint what needs to change. Yeah, brilliant. I think that, that's really helpful, isn't it? It's often it's not so much what you're looking at because sometimes what you're looking at is obvious, as you say, it's either a win rate or it's a revenue or, you know, it's something very basic. It's it's about the right cohort so that you're asking the, essentially the, I always think about reporting in terms of questions and answers. I want to ask a, a good specific question and then be able to answer it accurately. And then you've got a helpful narrative potentially or a concerning narrative or whatever it might be, but you, you, you've actually delivered some values. It's turning yeah. Yeah, turning numbers into a story essentially and, and, and a coherent I think one that's the yeah, I think that's the key is like sometimes you can get so deep into a spreadsheet or into analyzing data that you forget what the question you're trying to answer is. So I always try to have that guiding light at the very beginning so I don't get too deep down a rabbit hole of a something else, you know. Yeah, no, exactly. And and I think it's a big piece in, in recruitment as well, in that it's easy to look for people who are very numbers orientated and good with numbers and, and organized and, and and while that's great, actually, the creative part is almost more important and it's harder It's harder to train. I think it's almost more in, innate. You know, you can upskill in it, but 
but you yeah. kind of almost have it or you don't. And and really, it's be able to understand that it's not just a number on a page. It's it's a uh, it's telling you something about and you, and understanding the context or knowing where you need to go to understand it to really deliver insight that can you know you can use to help scale the business. Exactly. Um, oh, amazing! It's been really um, interesting. So thank you very much. So the, really, the last question from me is just um, essentially. Th- throwing the floor open to you my goodness i need to pick some easier words to say in in um in sequence but basically asking for anything that's been particular in your mind recently that you've really been sort of learning about about operations or maybe something you've really been thinking of maybe something you're considering a, a new way of working or something that's used to be a best practice you're not so sure that it's good anymore one of our guests mm-hmm. referred to them as hot takes around you know anything like that anything yeah. basically completely not driven by us that you think would be really cool to share with the audience yeah, I think something that I'm working on more closely now that I, I haven't before is um, understanding capacity planning and workforce planning for next year. I've always been more involved in what are our comp plans going to be for next year or helping out with some sales strategy. And so that's been something where um, it's new and I'm still learning. But I think having the core fundamentals of understanding the business has been very helpful there. And also just understanding spreadsheets and uh, the ability to manipulate data that way. But that's been a new project that I've been working on and um, has been kind of eye-opening to me. Great. Thank you very much. Um, Tom, do you want to come back in and wrap us up? Yep. Here we go. Hannah, the most important question of the whole episode. Who in the world of sales ops would you most like to take for lunch? Um, Okay. So this is kind of a stretch, but I have been following Jeremy Donovan at SalesLoft for years. And I know he's like sales strategy, but I'm so interested in that. Uh, realm and I feel like it's adjacent to sales operations so that's going to be who I would love to pick his brain and just uh, learn more from he's also a um ex-guest on the show so really um, I'll have to listen to his episode yeah yeah really good really good episode he's uh and he has his own podcast as well I believe um yeah but Hannah thank you so much it's been super interesting um to learn about your kind of journey so far into the world of RevOps and now of course surpassing the world of RevOps. And I'm sure the work that you're going to be doing with the HR team and the legal team is going to bring the magic of RevOps to those two functions as well. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. I appreciate it, Tom. Thank you, Alex. Thank you for listening to this episode of RevOps Demystified. If you're listening on a podcast listening application, please follow, rate, and review the show. And if you have any questions about the show, can recommend a guest or just want to learn more about RevOps or Ebster, hit us up at podcast at ebster.com.